Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live. We're digging into the digital revolution and the incredible changes that it's having on our personal lives, our professional lives, and everything in between. Uh, the world seems to be moving faster than ever before. And we've got a great chance today, courtesy of our friends at Workday, to speak with one of their great customers, who's not only the chief information officer, but also the chief data officer. So we're delighted to have AJ Sablock from Rubrik with us today. AJ, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. Thank you, Bob. Uh, yeah, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, uh, so AJ, first, I just want to start because we uh, everybody probably knows a fair number of people, the title of CIO and some with the chief data officer, but I have not, I don't think, spoken to anybody with both. So how does that, that play out for you at Rubrik? Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, definitely the, the titles are one thing, but it's the emphasis on data that is separated from you know everything around IT, which is very apps focused and you know infrastructure focused and security and you know all of that. And having an emphasis on data and just the sheer value to the company, right? It being the lifeblood of a company, I think that uh, really helps uh, the company focus around turning you know, data, which can be just pure noise into actual insights and analytics. Right? And that's honestly the, the other role that I play. And uh, actually having, wearing both hats is also an advantage for me, right? Because there is so much of uh, connective tissue between what I do as a CIO and then between the data outcomes that we produce um, that I'm really able to uh, you know, help coordinate and help uh, facilitate, you know, acceleration across both areas. And uh, that certainly helps. Now, if there are two different people, you definitely need to kind of look at uh, how to make uh, the two tracks very efficient in terms of how they exchange information, how they collaborate, how they prioritize, right? And how they kind of drive, I would say, aligned outcomes, right? Because that's really important. The data outcomes are extremely important to keep the company growing, to find new insights, to find new markets, to understand competition and what have you. So, uh, so those will be the nuances of, uh, you know, uh, looking at both the positions differently. Yeah, and AJ, you know, I was, uh, when we spoke about 10 days ago, I was struck by the emphasis you put throughout the conversation on something you just mentioned a moment ago of acceleration. Could you talk a little bit about why that's so important? Yeah, I think acceleration uh, for a company honestly defines you know, how well you might perform as a business, right? Because you know, if you look around, around uh, what's happening is that every company is trying to adopt digital transformation, right? And they're trying to figure out better, more automated ways of driving processes, um, getting to business outcomes, you know, getting the product out there, serving the customers, you know, in a much better way. But how do you actually achieve that if you don't accelerate, right? So, so that has to be a core value in a company to basically say that, you know, acceleration is really about getting rid of constraints, getting rid of hurdles, figuring out if there are manual processes that are still followed in the company and, and getting rid of those, right? And then moving towards a common goal, which is obviously to uh, you know, grow your company, serve your customers, and uh, 
and and honestly do well, right? Do well in the marketplace. Yeah, AJ, um, the in both your roles, but especially as you described it, that as chief data officer, right? We've heard about this for years or perhaps decades that businesses have wanted to be able to share data more widely. And of course, you know, with the appropriate controls and all within their company, so more people can have access to it to help everybody be able to make better decisions. What's going on with that now? And can you talk about some of the policies that you're using to help Rubrik be able to use data as a competitive weapon? Yeah, so I think there's so many aspects to uh, democratizing data, right, in, in a company. And uh, uh, I think there's a slew of uh, first, you know, transformations that you should probably go through to make sure that you're generating, you know, the proper uh, transactional data that obviously feeds your insights. Uh, but but there are many other nuances to, uh, uh, you know, considering data democratization, which is that you have to firstly make it readily available, right, for, for people to consume. So having a robust, you know, data foundation of some sort, right, whether it's a data warehouse or, or a data lake, um, having that with some governance strategy around it, right, so to say that, okay, I have all the data available, but not, not just that, I have all the metrics, the KPIs that I made available to the company and most of them are certified on the logic behind, you know, how these are standardized, right? So for example, you know, customer count or customer churn. I mean, you pick any metric that is really important for a company to understand. And there could be, you know, five different ways people might define it. And having a common language is so important these days. And you can have all of that provided to a company and then, show them the way, right? Show them how to self-service in, in a certain way. How do you consume those insights uh, without, you know, very complicated reports and dashboards uh, being built? Um, so there are so many tools out there that you can adopt these days. Um, and, and we kind of do the same thing, right? So we do the heavy lifting on some of the more complex dashboards and reports. And we also kind of put it out there for people to go and self-service. but you know, handhold people along the way because you want data consistency to never get compromised. You want, you know, governance to be baked in where you have stewards from every business team participating in your, perhaps a data council, right, for so to speak, to then talk about where the issues are, where the data is not consistent, where the, there are holes in your data, where it requires enrichment. Then there are other complementary strategies that I recommend, which is look at master data management, right? Not just provide data, but also manage your master data, it, customer product. You know, there are so many different uh, dimensions that you have to go manage so that what the final, uh, you know, metrics that you produce are absolutely uniform across the company. AJ, that's a, that's a fascinating perspective. And I wonder, could you connect for us then the companies that then are able to harness the power of a wide range of data with a, everybody using the common language, common definitions, so you don't have six different approaches to what a customer is or isn't. How does that then tie in with the other, another subject that you were very keen on, which is around planning? That's correct, yeah. So planning is, uh, is honestly such a critical aspect of uh, you know, every company, and it should be, right? If, People haven't given that a thought. 
I would say pause and, and, and really pay attention to why planning is such a critical aspect of whatever you do in your company, right? Um, so maybe we should go back to when uh, the pandemic hit us, right? Uh, maybe less than two years ago. And uh, what was the first thing that uh, you know, companies did? They were scared about how the marketplace was gonna change. Um, there were you know, some data points available. You had to speculate a little bit. You had to model things out. So I would ask people, how did you manage to go about and achieve that outcome? Well, for us, well, we had a you know, planning tool readily available. And it was fortunately a, a cloud tool. Um, it's one of the architecture decisions I made early on is that all my applications are in the cloud because I can afford to. Um, there's so much there's so many choices available. So we absolutely had a planning tool. Um, and when every person in our company started to work remote, we still had to go through a replanning process, right? And figure out how is this going to impact us? What variables should we go alter? Can we model a few things out and see, uh, you know, we will we can continue to alter some of the, the targets that we were looking to achieve and make it less intense, you know, make some a few other assumptions. So we set about doing that. And I think about a couple of weeks, we had a new model published because everything was online. Everybody was able to collaborate in, in a single tool and then generate a new model, which we quickly adopted, right? So whether it was asking the salespeople to alter their targets, right? Or asking the marketing people to alter their, um, you know, campaign pursuits, you know, dial back on some of the things because we wanted to do some cost savings as well, right? So with those things, we rolled it out. And then of course, people started to execute to a new plan. Mm -hmm. Now that was just, you know, one example of an incident that really required you to be uh, up to speed with planning tools and, and you know, planning collaboration and access. But, you know, think about, this is something that companies go through all the time. You know, every quarter, the first thing that people wonder is, how am I gonna do in this quarter, right? And that's where you have to project out. I mean, the good companies, the ones who start to mature, they can actually project out a year or two years in advance. They can model everything out and then they can just keep optimizing those models every quarter, right? All they do is they, they have a model ready to go and then they go and optimize and then they look at actuals, they look at the plan and they go and make tweaks. And that's so much more efficient than trying to struggle with a whole bunch of, you know, uh, segregated tools, spreadsheets, et cetera, you cannot produce outcomes, right? Ready outcomes. And then it goes back to our acceleration discussion. How can you accelerate your business? If, if that becomes such a big hurdle, you know, to just get, get over every quarter. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, which is why I think planning for us is, is very important. And we, of course, not, not only do the, the overall financial planning, we also plan inventory for some of the you know white label uh, uh, appliance that we ship with our products, um, and you know many different uh, revenue models are also being built. Uh, just so we're on on top of things. And uh, I, I believe uh, AJ, you're using is it Workday Adaptive Insights for planning? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we've been using uh, Adaptive Insights uh, for you know for a while now, and uh, we're pretty much standardized on it. Okay, it's been able to scale as Rubrik has grown. Yeah, I think it uh, has scaled really well. Um, 
you know, most of our financial models are in it now. And, and this is how we stay proactive, right? This is how we are able to, uh, you know, weather these um, marketplace storms and, you know, the roller coaster ups and downs and just make sure that, you know, we continue to stay ahead. Um, but, you know, we've taken it a notch further in, in, in the sense that, you know, this is where I connect the, the data side of the world to say, you, your source data firstly has to be up to speed. So we started automating the sourcing of data into our adaptive planning tool uh, through integrations, right? So through very thoughtful integrations to either the employee master, which is also workday. So, so that's something we've standardized on even before adaptive planning, right? Is, is workday is our master. And so, so that connection, the automation is so critical because you want to have that data available for your financial analysts to then just go and quickly start modeling, right? They don't want to be able to spend time thinking about how to source data from five different sources, right? The other big uh, source of data is, is our ERP system, right? And we source data into adaptive directly from there. It's fully automated. We source it from now the employee master workday and it's fully automated. And we continue to actually create many more integrations like commissions, right? So we realized that the commission forecasting um, was queuing things because it was not fully automated. And people were, you know, taking a long time to manually import things through files. And there was the possibility of human error being injected into it. So yeah, I think those decisions are also important, right? As you evolve your planning architecture, you have to pay attention to those other nuances, right? So you've got a good product, but then how are you gonna make sure that the operations are equally efficient? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> AJ, is it fair? It sounds like, you know, what you're describing here is there's sort of a, uh, a loop, uh, an optimization loop with three components, acceleration, planning, automation. Does Correct. anything else go into that formula? Um, no, and then, you know, it's uh, the underpinning is obviously data, right? Data governance, uh, data consistency, and so just keep connecting the dots, right? So you've got outcomes that you want from data. That's always uh, the, the end state that you, you're trying to achieve, right? All of this planning is also going to feed a lot of KPIs. For us, we, we take all of the planning data and that feeds into our analytics too, along with actuals, because then we're able to present a complete picture of what's going on in the business and also show how we progress against plan, right, all the time. I mean, it's like real-time dashboards reports, right? I mean, we don't believe in stale uh, reporting anymore, right? The insights have to be much more real-time or near real-time. Yeah, and AJ, it sounds like a formula that allows every member of the C-suite to work together more harmoniously and more closely perhaps than they ever have before because everybody's in some ways seeing the same things. Right, and yeah. you're able to look at what's really going on in the market instead of saying, well, from my perspective, I see this slice and somebody else sees this. Instead, you're helping everybody get the whole picture. Yeah, and then how critical is that, right? That everyone, everybody's on the same page, they're talking the same language, they're looking at the same uh, data. And, uh, you know, if there are tweaks that, for example, the, the finance group makes to any KPIs, you know, everybody kind of, it ripples through the whole company, right? Everybody gets it. So I, I think that's honestly having a common aligned insight, you know, then shifts the discussion to 
the more the bigger rocks, the bigger issues, those are the real ones that should you know be taking up the exact time, right? Those are the ones that you brainstorm. The data is already there, it's consistent, it's certified, no questions asked. And AJ, now how about over on you know the the interconnected but somewhat separate other part of your job as CIO? Um, we hear a lot of talk these days about the role of the modern CIO, right? Whereas it, before it was, you know, you fed and watered the infrastructure beasts and made sure they were comfortable. And now it's a totally different game, right? Talk, tell us about that. Yeah, I think so. So as a modern CIO, you know, you, you, you are, you, you have to be on top of things, right? In terms of how are you uh, becoming a business catalyst, right? So what is the, the job of IT, right? We're not a backend function, right? We're not order takers. We're not people who just sit and, you know, churn out technology. Technology is, is by the way, just a tool to achieve an outcome, right? I think what the, the new CIO has to drive is, is the more strategic thinking, you know, by being joined at the hip with the business. Right? So driving business outcomes is as much the job of CIO as it is of every other business leader. Right? And to do that, the partnership and collaboration between a CIO and other business leaders is key. Right? So I can't just go off on a limb and start driving my own independent you know, siloed strategy. That's not what... The, so the job is a bit you know, more challenging in that sense that you have to go partner. You have to find ways to reach out to your business counterparts, understand their issues. A lot of times, I, you know, I have to push back on the, you know, just the excitement of adopting new technology, right? So even sometimes the business partners would come to me and say, I just want to go and get a new tool. And I was like, let's hold off. Let's talk about business outcomes. Honestly, you know, having that level of understanding of, of process technology of data processes and you know just the sheer issues and constraints that we kind of go through right day in day out and then bringing the technology in just as a tool to help uh, you know accelerate the improvements to help ex optimize the process see that that is what yields the best results right and i think more and more um, you know as i look back and once I'm able to achieve that connection or connectivity with the, the business leaders, I think we're able to drive a very aligned and joint outcome. Um, and the results are much more amazing, right? I mean, you don't have failed projects, you don't have misaligned uh, you know, expectations. People definitely are you know, much uh, you know, more pleased with that. And, and the adoption is great too, right? So you're measuring every part of what you're putting out there. Um, and also thinking ahead, right? So you're joined with each other and you're like, let's think ahead. In fact, you know, for this year, we started planning for next year three months ago, right? And our fiscal year ends in January and we are almost close to getting a full plan together one month in advance. And by January, everything will be pretty much, you know, set in stone in, in the sense, we know the plan, we know how to execute. Uh, so I think those... Uh, Aspects are important for a CIO to drive. The other uh, thing is we typically draw, right? So, so if you take a CIO organization, always we always talk about a front end and a back end. And, and I say that's not very accurate, right? It's not about two distinct uh, you know, parts of IT. It's about 
processes now. And in fact, more and more I see everything's connected, right? You know, to me, it's like the process starts from campaign and ends in revenue recognition. And there are so much, so much of interconnectivity between all of them. How do you shepherd through that, you know, people through that? That's basically what requires you to think outside the box now, think differently, think about roles and responsibilities, think, of, think about an org structure where people are able to seamlessly cross these so-called you know, boundaries. Yeah. Don't yeah. make them hard boundaries. In fact, you know, always push for uh, accountability on the outcomes, right? And they will be very cross-functional in nature. They would require you to think about upstream impacts, about downstream impacts. And yes, they require a lot of collaboration, deep collaboration. And you have to like cross lines, right? And sometimes when you collide, where people say, oh, you know what? I think you're stepping into my area. You have to start thinking about what we call uh, focused councils, right? So we say, okay, this is a cross-functional area. For example, commissions. You know, we, we recently did that for commissions. We had a collision there, right? Where finance versus sales, they said we both are influencing commissions, but we said, well, you both have to drive an aligned outcome. So how do you do that? Well, bring all your uh, initiatives into a council and let's prioritize across that. So I think that's really what we have to start doing to, to help the business better than, than what used to happen, happen before, right? Where people would just pretty much, you know, focus on their own area, either in the back end or the front end and, and not really care about what happened on either side. AJ, I just, that's just a brilliant answer there. I, I hope um, you know, we can keep that specific answer about what a modern CIO should be doing or shouldn't be doing that mindset today, right? You know, uh, I can understand it because companies thought that way for a lot of years. And you know, pers uh, human behavioral change is even more difficult than technological change, right? And what you're saying to people is the department, departmental structure that got us here won't get us to where we need to go. The world's moving too fast. Customers are more demanding. Competition's coming from all over the place. And there needs to be an alignment here, as you said, of everybody around the same thing. And AJ, it used to just drive me crazy sometimes if I'd hear a CIO say, well, my job is to align IT with the business because the very first thing they're saying is, I'm not part of the business. You know, IT has to somehow get stapled onto it. And that's just, uh, it, it's a very different world today, right? That we're moving too fast with too much, uh, a need for too much precision for those old ways of thinking. And I, I think you laid that out beautifully. Yeah, no, I think it, it is, uh, you know, there are so many aspects of this job where you now need to start thinking differently, right? I mean, there's a massive proliferation of tools out there as you can imagine, right? I mean, every single tool vendor is trying to just sell you a tool. And, and I say, you know, that's not what this is about, right? The journey is about, you know, looking at, you know, your own business needs through maybe a few different lenses, right? So for example, I lead with business architecture and technology architecture, right? That's the found foundation, the bedrock of what I laid out, saying that if you don't understand these two facets of what you guys are doing in the company, it's, it's going to be problematic, not only for IT, but for business as well, yeah. like, so lay that bedrock first of a really good architecture and then figure out how everything fits into it, right? Now in information security, 
data security, all these things are so important. And, and you can kind of layer them into your you know, architecture, right? Because we have a, a security architecture that sort of just goes through the you know, foundation that we laid for architecture. And everything that you know, we typically apply from a technology standpoint kind of fits the mold, right? It, we look at it from many different angles. We, we say, okay, does it have the right capabilities? Does it fit all the compliance needs that we have? For example, we want to be FedRAM compliant in perhaps a year. Well, would the new tool actually get me there or would it become a constraint or a hurdle, right? So going through that whole analysis upfront, right? Before you start making all these investments, it kind of you know, gives you a rationalized uh, portfolio of tools. And, and that's really, great for the company, right? Because then business leaders catch on to that drip, right? And they say, oh yeah, okay, let, let's run things by them because we get it, right? It has to be a good fit. It has to be a good long-term investment. And, you know, we can't just be experimenting with things, right? And uh, investing in stuff just because somebody has an emotional connection of some sort there, right? That's not what this is about. It's about make wise investments for the long-term, make sure the the technology investments that we make or the data investments that we make are uh, adopted quickly and immediately and they yield value you know soon after i make the investment and so you know and that's philosophy's worked really well for us i think we have been you know going on a very thoughtful journey as as we unfolded our own architecture internally yeah aj uh, last question i wanted to ask you touches on that in our prior conversation, you had talked about the need for uh, leaders and companies to be very clear about the priorities, right? Because, you know, leftists alone, somebody can say, well, I have 15 priorities, or I have 10. Well, no, let's come together as a group and set a small number. Tell us about your thinking on that. Yeah, so, so I think uh, prioritization is uh, really about ensuring that, you know, people are investing in the right set of things at the right time for the company to grow its business and to serve its customers really well, right? And, and you know, these two outcomes definitely are things that people aspire to achieve. I'm saying which company is not yeah. honestly pursuing this as a strategy. The question is, do they understand that what becomes a constraint in achieving these goals and an accelerating growth is the lack of prioritization. And, and by the way, we've gone through those struggles at Rubrik. So, so we're not immune from this. It is the biggest challenge that everybody faces. And it's because uh, people kind of put their own vertical lens on something, right? Saying that, oh, you know, these priorities are more important because, you know, I am from marketing, I'm from sales, or I'm from, you know, some GNA group. And everybody start, starts to think that their priorities have to be more important than everything else in the company. And I, and I say, guys, we have to have you know, a common forum or a platform to be able to rationalize. So a lot of things are important. A company has to go through hundreds of different things from building the product to selling the product, to servicing the customers, to making sure that you know, they compete well against competition and that that it's a closed loop, uh, you know, efficient, healthy, growing process. And, and I think in, in the pursuit of that, priority is the only way you can make sure that your, your resources are not burning out. They are 
focused on the right set of outcomes. So, so I think it is an iterative process, prioritization. Um, you know, I think what we try to do is we try to bake it into our planning process. Is saying, how do I bring prioritization while I go through my planning process, right? Because that's the best time to go rationalize it across the board in the company and then kind of bring it right in, right? And have agreements across. Now, I understand every quarter a business will go through changes, right? And that's fine. It's, it's about looking at all your, you know, what we call backlog, for example, and saying, how do I reprioritize it, right? These are my priorities and we, have, we are aligned on that. Now, how do I reprioritize? Uh, and so long as I think you, you keep emphasizing the importance of flushing out priorities, right? Because th then I think your company will keep making, I would say consistent progress, all right? And I've seen many a times, right? Many a times there are some of these emotional decisions about, okay, no, I think this is more important. Let's go do it. Only to then figure out that it was a half-picked idea, did not you know, come through the, through the typical channels of uh, thoughtful debate. And boom, the outcome may not be, you know, very good, right? Uh, of course, precedence and hindsight always help in uh, the prioritization process. So that's another thing that you should keep inputting, saying that, okay, guys, remember what happened. Let's not repeat that. Well, great, AJ. This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. I just wanted to see, was there a chance, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Um, no, I think we covered uh, a lot of different topics. Um, so on the data front, I, I did want to, you know, talk about some amazing stories that, uh, you know, we experienced, right, in our journey, just to reemphasize how important it is for a company to adopt a robust data strategy. So, you know, Rubrik struggled uh, back in 2019. Like you put a great deal of thought into this entire notion of data strategy and how critical that is. Can you share any stories from Rubric about how that's paid off? Oh yeah, we have uh, you know a few stories uh, that would really show you why it's so important to adopt a, a healthy, robust data strategy, enterprise-wide, right? Um, so back in uh, I think 2019, you know, it was uh, Rubric had experienced great growth. I think we have products that uh, resonate well with the needs of the marketplace and. Um, you know, I think our company got accustomed to, you know, closing quarters with relative ease uh, until, you know, 2019, where, you know, our targets had, of course, grown in, in numbers. And uh, we started to experience issues in uh, hitting our uh, quarterly targets, right? Every, every time, I think two or three quarters in a row, we missed the number. And that was a bit of a pause for the company saying, okay, how in the world is that happening? Because I think the demand is very huge, right? The demand has not changed at all. The potential for who needs this kind of solution product out there hasn't changed. So we started to analyze. We said, you know what? Why don't we employ a data-driven uh, analytical strategy and see if we can help answer our questions? So we set about the very first insight that came back to us was that <clears throat> we were always starting the quarter with a very healthy pipe, right? It would, let's say we start the quarter with a $500 million pipe mm -hmm. and you would expect to be able to close the quarter with relative ease given the size of the pipe. However, two weeks into the quarter, the first insight told us that every two weeks, 
into the quarter, your pipeline drops by 60 to 70%. Yeah. And it just vaporizes. And that was like, really? It just vaporizes? Like They're like, yep, it's gone. There's no pipeline. So we were like, okay, there are some behaviors going on, which probably are not really healthy, but, you know, so we took that insight, which was a fact, and we go, went and further analyzed it, right? So, so one metric led to another, and very soon we figured out exactly why that entire process was completely broken. And we set about to fixing it. And within a quarter or more, I would say, we completely revamped our entire you know, pipeline generating process, our opportunity conversion process, et cetera. And you know, we were back on track, right? But that's not where we left it. I think we continued driving this further to where I think we probably have the most impactful data dashboards that we share with marketing, with sales, and it's able to uh, help make very timely decisions. And uh, it's really helping accelerate the company further. Iji, what happened there with that, that uh, 60 or 70% that vaporized? What was the problem? Well, the problem was bad pipeline, right? So, so the, the quality of pipeline you know, has its own uh, requirements, right? Um, just by saying that I have pipeline, you know, is not sufficient. And, and that's what the realization was that you can put in a pipeline, but the question is, is it qualified? And if it is qualified, what is your qualification process, right? What are we doing? In fact, we found out that we had some massive data quality issues upstream. We had issues with how we were qualifying pipeline to say that this pipeline was we had a problem with a lack of a lead, lead scoring AI, uh, machine learning model. We, it, there was one in place, but it was so ineffective and so non-functional. Uh, in fact, today I have put in a lead scoring model that is so effective that it just bubbles up the, the, the right you know, opportunities for SDRs to go pursue. I think uh, that's been a, a great uh, partnership with our you know, business folks uh, and the outcomes are amazing. I mean. So yes, I think those things were completely lacking. However, like I said, you get complacent, right? Sometimes when you experience growth, and I say, regardless of how well you do as a company, honestly, you should never get complacent. You should always question your ability to have the deepest and insight with facts, right? From top to bottom. So don't ever drop the ball on it, regardless of how well you do as a company. Those insights are golden, absolutely important, and, and they'll serve you well, right? So, so that discipline, I think, needs to be baked into the company. So uh, yeah, that was our learning, and, and I think we, we definitely like to share that with everybody, saying don't, don't make that same mistake. Yeah, that's, that's a great story you know, on so many fronts, AJ, but especially I think that notion of, uh, you were saying the demand was there, but complacency crept in, and that complacency seems almost like a passive issue, but it can become very insidious, very dangerous if it creeps into places where it can have a material impact. And that was a wonderful story you shared. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. AJ, overall, thank you so much. This has been a terrific conversation. Uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, folks, for all of you, again, AJ Sablak, who is the CIO and Chief Data Officer at Rubrik, brought to us by Workday shared a lot of thoughts with us today. AJ, thank you so much for being with us. This, this was terrific. Great, uh, Bob. I enjoyed it too. Thank you. All right. Thanks to all of you for being with us. We look forward to seeing you next time on Cloud Wars Live.